Welcome to Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where we hear real stories from real men living real lives. I am your guide, Ned Shout. Fatherhood is not only about being a dad. It incorporates providing and serving a home, loving and serving a spouse, engaging and serving in a community, as well as intentionally serving our kiddos. Fatherhood is an adventure, one full of fun, wild, and most definitely messy stories. In this podcast, we will hear stories from real men who have found themselves living the adventure of fatherhood. Get ready because this story is going to be like watching a movie. Uh, This is an incredible story from a good friend of mine, Ryan Bledsoe, who truly just opens up transparency, vulnerable, talks about being in foster care, being homeless, going to juvenile hall, getting divorced. Uh, the constant struggle of fighting for the things that he wants. And really, as you hear him talk all along, he just wanted to do the right thing, but just found himself not always having somebody looking out for him. But this is an incredible story. Uh, Man, father of seven, sharing his life with you and I and the beauty of the messiness and the struggle and the constant fight that each of us should be putting up every day for those that have been put in our care. So get ready because you are going to enjoy this incredible conversation around fatherhood. All right, I'm recording this podcast at the Bledsoe Family Vineyard, probably the coolest place I've ever recorded a podcast. We're sitting out on this ledge overlooking the vineyard with my friend Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Hey, good morning. How you doing, man? Great, thank you. It's cool. It's uh, January 2nd. Um, I've known Ryan's wife, Lauren, since high school. And so we're doing the little family road trip this week, visiting people. So we stayed the night last night. The kids and everybody are inside running around like crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so we snuck outside. So you probably hear some cars go by or the wind chime or the dog digging for gophers or whatever. Or kids running by. Or kids running by. Yeah, but this is cool. So um, I've known a little bit about your story and we've hung out a couple times. Um, I had the honor of officiating your wedding, yes. which was so amazing and such an honor. Um, and we've, you know, we've talked a few times, but now we're going to sit down and kind of dive into some fatherhood stuff, which I'm stoked to talk about because you're such a great dad, mm. solid dad. And um, I see how much you love your kids and how many sacrifices I know you've made and stuff fighting for just being a great dad. So I'm excited to talk about that. But for people to get to know you a little bit more, uh, how old are you? I'm 48 years old. Okay. And uh, how many years have you and Lauren been married? Uh, going on eight. Eight. Nice. And then how many kids do you and Lauren have? We have three together. Three together. Okay. And then you also have? Four other kids with uh, my previous marriage. Okay, cool. Which we're going to get into in a little bit. And then what do you do on the kind of the day-to-day to to provide for the family? I'm a network communication administrator uh, for the school district where we live. Um, And I've been doing that for about 25 years. Dang. And you like it? Uh, I do. I mean, when you work for a school district and you're raising a family, it's a good job to have. Yeah, for sure. Because you have the weekends off, the holidays off. Uh, so it's very, uh, family oriented and good work. Nice. And then as we walked around your property yesterday, you not only do that, you have <laughs> other jobs. Yeah. Vineyard manager. Yeah. <laughs> planner, picker. <laughs> 
Yeah, and you put all these vineyards in. I mean, yeah, yeah that's some work. Been been a couple of years in in progress. And, yeah. Uh, actually this year was our first harvest. So we were really excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. And last night as we were sitting around you, we were trying the mead you made. Yes. Uh, little new project. Yeah. We thought it would be a fun little project to explore, uh, bees and how they operate and what they do for the ecosystem. And, um, it was a very fun project with our kids, uh, even our au pair that we had. Uh, she was very involved in that process That's too, cool. to, to see the hives and how everything's done, the production of it, how to extract the honey from, from the comb, from the frames. And then, uh, my wife loves just natural anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so to have the honey was awesome. And then I stole some of her honey to make <laughs> my honey wine. Uh, which was uh, a good learning process. It was and good too. We we had some last night. It was yeah. good. I mean, I remember it being good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so it seems like never a dull moment out here. Stuff going on. You guys are full lives, rich lives though. Yes, with the kiddos yeah. and family. Cool. Um, all right. So, quick question: Is there been any resources that have been good to you? as you've been a father. So, you know, you said you had your four and then your three. Um, has there been maybe a mentor or a book or somebody that you've seen that's been a great dad or has it been more just figured out on your own? It's definitely been figured out on your own. Yeah. So, uh, I didn't have, uh, anybody that mentored me growing up. I grew out, grew up without a father. Um, I did like envy some of my friends in their situations, seeing that their father was, were involved mm. in their sports and just seemed like that was the family, you know, Oh, look at the Joneses, you know, yeah. I wish I had that. Um, but yeah, n- n- nobody and, and not really anything to really point me in to the direction of being a good father. Mm. So it was figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, this podcast is, fatherhood field notes so it's sitting down with a dad and having him open up his life a little bit and sharing some things you know because we all have a story we all have stories that we can we could glean from each other and grow as men um and i think that that art of the story and being able to have a place for dudes to share their stories is a lost a little bit you know because we're not going out on a two-week hunt (laughs) and then sitting around a fire every night to talk um, and share life. And so that's kind of what this is. And it was really born from this mantra in my own life, um, rebel and create. I've always been a little bit on the rebellious side. I love rebellion, but not for the sake of just let me break something, but let me break something and then make something better than was here before. Sure. Um, and so it can be applied to a lot of different things in life from this big status quo. I'm rebelling against being the Homer Simpson mm-hmm. um, or I'm rebelling against, uh, you know, checking Instagram at the dinner table. Sure. So what's something that you are currently rebelling against and what do you hope to create out of that? Um, we are rebelling against uh, a lifestyle the California lifestyle. Mm. And that's the hustle and bustle, um, work, 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 um, houses, cars, um, all the things that, you know, is a status of who you are, or at least what society tells you if you're successful or not, Mm -hmm. because you have these certain things. And 
my myself and my wife we're rebelling against that viewpoint um we're saying you know let's minimize what we have let's if we don't need two cars can we get rid of a car mm. how how can we as a family um change the view that our kids are seeing because society's pushing it out there we think and we believe um, if we rebel against that and live a modest, meek life with our kids, that we can provide so much more mm. because we're not a slave to the grind. Yeah. Um, and so the way that we we are opting to do that is to rent out our house and we're going to travel the United States with our family uh, via um, a truck and a fifth wheel. Nice. And we're going to break away from all the hustle and bustle. Um, I'm going to retire out um, from the school district and uh, just embark on this new journey for me and my family. Um, and that's what we're really rebelling against. And, and how old are your three kids? So that that, that the, are gonna that are gonna go with you. So we have the twins. Uh, they're four years old. They're going to be turning five in February. Um, and then we have our little girl who's under two years old. That's awesome. And then when are you planning to go on this trip? Um, we're hoping, let's see, not this summer, but the following summer. So there is some uh, things we got to figure out as far as my work and when I can leave. Yeah, and some logistical stuff. Yeah. But what I love about it is, man, because I look so much like what's in the next three months, mm-hmm. six months kind of stuff. To plan out a year and a half, two years and start to go, then you go, okay, that's realistic. It's not like you're just sitting here on a pile of cash and you're like, um, we could go next week. Mm -hmm. We kind of decided it's like, no, we're going to do this and we're going to take the time to plan it. And we're going to make the sacrifices over the next couple of years to figure out how to do that. And here's how old our kids will be. And it's going to be a great experience of them, um, getting to go see a bunch of rad stuff and have their parents as teachers yeah. for a year. And, and not only us being the teachers, they teach us. Yeah. I learned so much from just being engaged with my kids and seeing life through their eyes. Yeah. And that just, that brings a whole lot of joy to both me and my wife. Yeah, man. Oof. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. And I mean, uh, clearly, right, you're, you share what you're rebelling against and there's so much that you're creating in that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're creating, a, you're going to create a ton of intentional memories yeah. and it's possible like this is possible, mm-hmm. right? I think sometimes people listening or when we read this stuff on Instagram and Facebook, we're like, oh, those people could just figure it out because of this. But Lauren's a teacher. Mm-hmm. You work in the school district. You're figuring out how to do this. Mm-hmm. We're just normal. We're just normal everyday people, yeah. you know? Um, man, that's really cool. And you, and you, you know... You can write everything down and be to the book on a trip, but we're really trying to just leave it kind of an open book with blank pages. Mm. You know, we don't want to be, we want to have some structure, right? Right. But we also want to be able to just, hey, you know, we were planning this, but something else came up. Let's try this, right? Um, And and that's going to be just awesome. And and, and we've never done this before with our kids, so this is going to be learning for everybody how do we all cope together as a family in tight quarters on the road yeah right i mean yeah you can read about other families and how they're doing it but 
that's other families. Yeah. You know, every family dynamic is going to be different. Yeah. So what works for somebody out there might not work for us, but we're willing to explore other people and their and their experiences. Yeah, and it's so cool because you're going to learn so much about each other, like the tightness. Yes. Um, because if you think about our week-to-week lives, especially when you're married and little kids, yep. even, you know, older kids, you can just go days and weeks without really having super intentional time Mm -hmm. because it's routine, Yes, you know? Um, and so when you put yourself in super tight quarters Mm -hmm. for a longer period of time, it's okay. We have to learn how to really get along. I can't just go to work for 10 hours tomorrow. That's right. You know, Mm -hmm. we're going to be together figuring this out. Mm, That's going to be rad. Yeah. Okay. So I want to get into your story a bit, you know, um, and here, okay. You, we've already heard, okay, you, you were married before, four kids. Now you're married with three kids. You're a dad of seven. Mm-hmm. What a stud. <laughs> Lucky seven. Yeah. Um, maybe take us back to you because you also mentioned a little bit growing up without a dad yeah. and stuff. So uh, where do you want to start? Well, let's start from the beginning because I think uh, we become who we become with the situations that are handed to us uh, from early on. Mm. And... Yes, it can go two different directions because I do have an older brother who took a different route in life. Uh, But we both kind of had the same kind of upbringing, which is always, you know, made me think, you know, how did I turn out the way I did and how come I was successful? And I think sometimes people hold on to baggage Mm. and they can't let it go and they can't move on. And that's kind of my brother. Yeah. Um, So... I mean, I grew up um, in foster care. That was from early on. I was in diapers. Um, My brother and myself were both in the same foster home. That was the only way that they would allow um, us in the foster system um, is to keep us together. So I just remember growing up in Hayward um, all the way up into preschool. And uh, one day, you know... uh, the courts came and visited us and said, your mom wants you back. And back then, uh, it was whatever the parent wanted, right? Mm-hmm. There was no fight. Um, the foster uh, family was heartbroken. And that, I mean, that's who you knew. That was your family. Yeah. that I was like, who, who? This is not my mom? Mm, what? Damn. So it was a very confusing time yeah. for me. Um and I can't speak for my brother because he was older, you know, and I don't know how it really affected him. And how much older is he than you? Uh, like two and a half years. Okay. Um, so he probably remembers a lot more. And believe it or not, I can remember some things even even when I was in diapers. Yeah. I remember getting my diapers changed because that was back when they used cloth and pins and somebody stuck me in the hallway. <laughs> and I remember I didn't like it. <laughs> so, uh, So it was a weird, awkward time going from this – this home with love and, 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 and in the foster home that you grew up in, was it, was it you and your brother and a couple other kids? Yes. Or? Yes, okay. exactly. And so, and that was all I knew. So going into this whole thing of, well, they're not your real parents, you know, to where, Hey, you're going to go to Calistoga and your real mom wants you. So I remember, um, going to live with her. And it's just like I didn't understand it. I was so confused by it. And as I was growing up in Calistoga and and living with my mom, my dad was uh, not a part of my uh, childhood at all. 
Um, me and my brother have different dads, mm. and, and he wasn't involved either. So it was pretty much my mom raising both me and my brother. Um, and unfortunately, my mom uh, had a drug addiction. Um, so I think that it was very hard for her. Um, she had a lot of other like, uh, issues like with depression. Mm. Um, she didn't handle being out in public with people very well. So she kind of hibernated in the house. I just remember that. And did she work or no? You know what? She did early on, but from all my memories, I just remember my mom always being home. Mm. Uh, She got injured at work and that was pretty much it. And then she kind of lived off the, of the system. Mm. Um, you know, she was abusive. Um, and I try not to, cause my mom's passed. She passed away at 50 years old. Um, I, I try not to hold things against her cause she did what she could, uh, the way she did. Yeah. You know? Uh, but I know that it affected me and my brother because, I was like, why am I in this abusive home? And this is my, you're saying this is my real mom. Mm, What's going on? Before I was in a loving home. Yeah. And now I'm here and this is my real mom and it doesn't feel like that. Yeah. It doesn't feel warm and fuzzy at all. Mm. Um, And it felt very distant. Um, So with that said, you know, me and my brother grew up. um, Were you and him tight? We were. Yes, we were. Um, It was hard because... We were in and out of the system after about um, junior high for my brother. Uh, you know, again, in and out of the system as in. So went back into uh, juvenile hall. My brother did. Mm. Um, then he went from juvenile hall into foster, into group homes, his all the way up to high school. Uh, for him, at some point, he ended up. At- Man, that's rough because middle school. You look at middle schoolers, and they're just such babies you know what I mean you look and they're like still young and innocent and to have to be dealing with that's heavy yeah it and it was hard because it was if the system back then paid attention like they do nowadays to situations with within people's homes there would have been early on signs that hey maybe this is not the children Mm. this is the parenting this is what's going on with their mother yeah. You know, and dive into that, you know, because like I said, it was abusive. My mom had some drug addictions. Um, I remember I was in junior high and my mother kicked my brother out and there was a big court thing. My mom wanted me to testify in court that my brother hit her. And I looked at my mom and I said, absolutely not. Because he didn't. He did not. Damn. You know, she was very physical with my brother. And all my brother did was grab her and restrain her. From hurting him. From hurting him. And then, you know, she yelled and screamed at him and told him to get out of the house. And that's what he did. So it, it landed him back into the system. Um, and I think that bothered my brother. Um, and it wasn't long after that, that I started going through the same stuff. Mm. Um, it didn't take much to have my mom fire off at us. Um, could be the slightest thing. It just depended on our mood. Um, and she, the last time she kicked me out, I was a ninth grader and it was the dead of winter. It was freezing. Uh, she, she basically knocked me off my bar stool, uh, thinking that I was telling a lie. Mm. And, uh, and, I just was like, I can't believe she just did that. And then she came after me again. And, and just like my brother, I restrained her. And I said, you're not going to hit me anymore. 
I'm not doing that, mm. you know? And I just remember she just looked like straight through me and it was just, it was just a bad feeling. And yeah. then she kicked me out. And I remember I, you know, I seeked help. I went to the, the local police station, you know, small town living. They know who I was. Mm-hmm. They know my mom, you know, and I'm telling them, Hey, my mom kicked me out. And basically back then it was like, well, what'd you do? You yeah. know, and it's like, well, you know, maybe I didn't do anything. Maybe yeah. there's some other things going on. It's your job to check. <laughs> you know, I'm a ninth grader. I shouldn't tell you how to do your job. Um, and it was a low self-esteem point for me mm. as a as a person, just being on the street. And I was the kind of headstrong person. I didn't want help. I didn't want to uh, impose upon anybody and, and, you know, ask for help. So I tried to figure it out all on my own as a ninth grader, you know, and I stopped going to school and like a month out, I was on the street and like living on the street, yeah, living on the street, just doing my thing. Some of my friends would help me out, you know, uh, their parents would be gone. I'd sneak into their house, you know, they'd give me food and a shower. Um, and then I just go back out and just, you know, be outdoors, you know, through the night I would just walk through the creeks, um, Cause you know, it's scary, Heck yeah. you know, you Gosh, just, dang. you stay, you stay awake at night. Uh, you try to, to stay warm. It's cold raining. So you're seeking shelter. Um, you know, there's times where I would get into people's cars to stay warm and, uh, just, and then you have the fear of, well, when they get in their car, <laughs> you're yeah. going to freak them out. You know, not only do you get freaked out, but you scared them. So <laughs> it was a scary time. And, uh, you know, I ended up, uh, breaking in to uh, the high school there into home ec and making food. I mean, I took a class in there. I kind of know my way around. You made a pretty good breakfast today. I, so. I, hey, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I just was at that point where I just, I didn't care. Yeah. And that, nobody gave you any reason to care. That's right. And I was broken. I was mm. broken. And uh, it, before I did, before I broke into the high school to get some food, um, the uh the police picked me up and took me to school and i begged and pleaded please don't take me to school i've look at me i smell i haven't showered you know i've been gone for so long and they didn't care and they walked me into my class and you know so everybody's looking at me and here we go with the self-esteem yeah that's heavy man yeah and uh i just remember sitting down and the teacher saying ryan you need to take off your hat in this class. And I said, sorry, I, I can't do that. You know, it's my hair was a rat's nest. And, uh, and she says, you either take the hat off or you get out of my class. I go, are you kidding me? I just got here. So I just upped and walked out. And, um, like a week later I got picked up for breaking into the school and hauled off to juvenile hall. And you know what? Honestly, for me, that was the best structure. I know that sounds ridiculous. No, no, it doesn't. When you talk about everything you're saying, it's like, God, somebody helped this kid. Yeah. Something. Yeah. So I was getting three square meals. I had a bed. I didn't have to worry about that stuff anymore. Um, so I, I was I was thankful for that situation, uh, which is sad because as a, yeah. as a freshman in school, I should have been thankful for, for a lot other things. Right, right, for um, sure. So that, that whole thing, just being in the system, I didn't get out of the system until I was 17. So you were in there from, you basically went to school, freshman, sophomore, junior? Yep. 
and I came out my senior, late senior year. Okay. And went back into foster care. Dang, that's tough. Were you with your, oh, your brother's already aged out. Yeah, my brother's already done doing his thing. Um, and I just remember getting back into the foster system and I, and I was like, you know what, this foster is good for the right people that are doing it for the right reasons. Mm. And I just, I realized that where I was, wasn't for the right reason. And, and it bothered me. For you or those people who are taking care of you? It was for me, for the people taking care of me, I didn't feel like that they were doing it for the right reason. Gotcha. Because, you know, they put these numbers on kids that come into to foster and what their worth is, right? So if you're hard to handle like I was, you know, high energy, uh, busy body, um, and having to be on medication for hyperactivity and stuff like that, and that's, that's what I was, they kind of class you with this number. And that means that they can make more money. No way. Yeah, so... Ah. Uh, and I was starting to figure all this stuff out and I was just like really bothered by it. And what happened is, is I went to court and I said, you know what, your honor, what do I do to be able to be my own person and not be a part of the system anymore? So he, he gave me this rundown of what I needed to do. I went and did it all. And how do you feel? Were you like respectful and stuff? Like you go into the judge and are you like, Hey, I'm, I'm trying to become an adult. I'm trying to figure this out. Oh, oh yeah. Very respectful. Cause I just wanted to know what I need to do. You know, I want to be my own person. Were you rebellious and stuff life. at this stage? Um, I wouldn't say I was rebellious. I was just like a normal kid. Um, but just that had all uh, this stuff that you were having to figure out yeah, on I, your own. Yeah. I, I did struggle with authority, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of teenagers do. So right. I don't think it was my situation that made me that way. It was just, I was a teenager. Um, but I went back to court. I completed everything that the judge asked me to. And I remember to this day, the judge is saying, Mr. Bledsoe, you're no longer a ward of this court. You're your own person. And I was like, whoa, that's heavy. Okay. How old are sweet. you? I was uh, almost 18. Wow. And just, I got out of the system and I just started humping it ever since. Just worked. Uh, I've got my own apartment. So you walk out of that court. I mean, what do you got? Man, I don't even remember. Uh, I mean, did you have to go back to your foster home and grab some stuff? I mean, and then what do you do? Like, you just like, all right, I'm going to go get a job. I'm going to go make this happen. How'd you not become homeless and just... Well, there were certain requirements that they had that I had to, to fulfill. So you had to come back and check in. Yeah. And they wanted to make sure that I was going to be successful, right? Okay. And so once I showed, and I think I had to have a bank account. Oh, so before he said, you can be... Yeah, I had know, everything lined up you, already. You already went and got a bank account and yep. a job. Yep. Mm-hmm. What was your first job there out of that? Um, let's see. What was that? I've, I've had like so many jobs. <laughs> it's like when I see my social security thing with the breakdown, it looks like Santa's uh, <laughs> good, list. good list. You know, the good kids list. <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable. I forget sometimes what jobs I've actually done. So you went, so before you walked out of that court, you already had that all squared yeah. away. So you had time mm-hmm. to have a plan and yes. you had to show them the plan. Correct. So that was actually a good thing for the state. Yes. That was a way that they helped you go and be successful. Yes, because a lot, just like a lot of kids, you can get lost in the system. And it's sad. Mm. It really is. And, it, and then, you know, uh, you're just like, well, what's my importance in this world? You know, you start to struggle with other things. But, man, I tell you, that was like, that was like hitting a lottery for me. I was like, this is awesome. Mm. I no longer have people kicking me out. I'm in control of my own life. 
you know, all I got to do is just make it happen. Yeah. Right. And I didn't have nobody to tell me how to do it. You know, that I had the courts kind of, this is what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. But then from there I took the reins and just took control. Dang. Dude, that's, yeah, that's a lot yeah. to navigate as a kid. Mm-hmm. All right. So now we're kind of moving. sounds like to like stage two of life. You're on your own figuring out, continuing to figure out life Yep. and, uh, early twenties. So what's up, what's up there? What, what happens next? Well, um, you know, life normal between, you know, 20 to 25, just working, doing, uh, what society thinks you should be doing and then just making a living. Um, trying to live a, a healthy life you know i was working out um eating right um what gave you that motivation like were you drinking and doing no it? i mean i was a, a social drinker you yeah. know if people were offering it i'd drink it but it, that's about it i was i never got caught up in the drugs alcohol how so you you can do whatever you want you're 18 years old you can mm-hmm. do whatever you want are you hanging out with your brother and some of his friends too at this point, or are they off doing their own thing? Um, I did hang with my brother for a while. Um, you know, my brother is a partier. Um, he did do some drugs and stuff like that. But how did you not get caught up in that? And how, why did you care about being healthy, eating healthy, and working out? Honestly, I I don't know. It's just that was my life choice. And I, I don't know, know I what just... I don't know what directs a person at least I don't know what made me choose that. I just didn't have the personality that wanted a substance to take control of my life. Mm. And I know that a lot of people in the world suffer from su- substance abuse mm-hmm. and they can't get it under control and I don't even know what that looks like to be honest. And, you know, I know it's hard for people and I just wasn't that person. Yeah. I just, I always push back on that question when I'm talking to people because it's like, how do we bottle that up? How do we help our 18 year olds, especially our young men who we need desperately to be and get, you know, fathers, mm-hmm. how do we get them to choose that, to start making those, those hard choices, but the right choices, Sure, you know, and, and some, you know, and it's like hard to put a th- pinpoint what it is but it is a choice yeah definitely a choice yeah. yeah so okay so you're early 20s you're taking care of yourself working mm-hmm. dating and about 25 years old um i started dating a younger girl who ended up uh, being my first wife mm. um she got pregnant when i was 25 i think she was 18 um that was kind of a mess I'm going to be honest. It was like one of those things where it's like we were together like a week, two weeks, something like that. Just very new relationship. Yeah. Um, and she was kind of a partier um, and was going through guys, you know, just I think that she had low self-esteem. And so she was easily manipulated by men. And because I was older, I wasn't that type of person to manipulate. I was very honest and open in any relationship that I had. Right. Um, this is what you get, you know. Yeah. And uh, so she t- basically told me, hey, I'm pregnant. And I said, what? You're kidding. I mean, really? (laughs) 
I was just like, I, I didn't even know. I'm like, what? I mean, one minute I'm just doing my thing. And then now you're saying that there's a baby in there and I'm going to be a dad. And then she dumped me. And, uh, and so because of your response, no, or just because that's just kind of the MO. She, uh, she just told me, she goes, I hate you. I don't want anything to do with you. Just, just cold Turkey dumped me. I'm just like freaking out of my head. Like, what are you talking about? You're pregnant. And what, what happened? What's going on? And then one of my buddies said, Hey, Ryan, Hey, do you know who she's hanging out with? I go, what are you talking about, man? She's hanging out with a notorious drug dealer. I go, excuse me? Yeah, dude. And my girlfriend's over there too. And I go, are they doing drugs? He goes, bro, the only one reason they hang out there. And I'm like freaking out. And I just remember. Why did you care? I cared because it's just like, as a new father, not even with a child in the world yet, that I had responsibilities. So you felt the responsibility when you heard the words that you're going to be a dad. You felt yeah. that yeah. this Immediate. matters. I, this is my responsibility. Yes. And and I was so torn and broken, feeling like I have no control over this situation. Uh, yeah. It's her body. I can't tell her <clears> to stop. <throat> All I could do is ask her to, you know, get her help, whatever. And... It was it was a difficult time. I remember calling my mom and just crying. Mm. I, I was like, I cannot believe I was this irresponsible getting a girl pregnant that would do this sort of a thing. I feel I feel I felt ashamed, you know, that I allowed this to happen. And um, I just thought, man, I'm going to have a, a child come into this world that didn't have the choice that the mom was making for the baby and have some serious health issues because of it. And it was a very dark time for about a week and a half where it's just like I could see I would be going over to her mom's house. Hey, is, you know, Jessica here? And she'd be like, nope. And then I'd end up walking to my car and then here she comes with two dudes like all strung out looking. And, and man, that's heavy. Yeah. She wouldn't even look at me. And it's just like I was just like it was hard. So. And I mean, it's still to this day, I think about it and it still bothers me. But, you know, to her credit, uh, she found out I started dating somebody else, just moving on. And she found out. And I think that she realized, uh oh, you know, I'm still pregnant and this guy is not a half bad person, <laughs> you know. And she called me up and said, you know, I'm sorry. Um, and I told her, look, you can't be doing the stuff you're doing. You got to stop. Hmm. And. She stopped doing drugs, stopped smoking, um, pulled herself together, um, and we ended up having four kids together. And we were married for nine years, together ten years, uh, before divorce kicked in. And, and, you know, a lot of that is being a father and the sacrifices that we make uh, for our families and, you know, doing the the split shifts where you your your wife works the morning you work the evening yeah so you you sacrifice your relationship together for your kids well-being mm. right yeah and you're young and you have little kids and you're just doing the thing to survive yep 
and and that's all we knew and we just wanted to give the best that we could to our kids and you know honestly I think um we just kind of grew apart different you know new career for her um and uh just was it good at the beginning like she kind of gets her stuff together and and you guys get a place together oh yeah oh yeah it was it was it was great I'm not gonna lie I mean we were happily married for a long time and just raising kids and just enjoying that part of our lives um, I know, and it's such a strange thing to talk about because I've actually asked a couple other guys who've been divorced to come on and talk mm-hmm. about it, and and they've just been like, I can't because I don't want to badmouth the thing. Like you said, you said it it was good, mm-hmm. you know. But then now you have this life with with Lauren yep. and and kids, and so there is also th- that pain. Maybe you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to say pain really because Lauren. I mean, is one of the most accepting and loving people I've ever met in my Mm -hmm. life. So probably why you're able to sit here and talk about this because she accepts all of it, which is, gosh, shout out to Lauren. She's a freaking human, a great human being. Um, But yeah, you go, yeah, that was really good. And I wouldn't change anything. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of speaking for you because here you are now. Um, But you had 10 years of life and, and you're saying you kind of, just focused on the kids and work. I mean, yeah. four kids is expensive, bro. Yeah, side jobs plus your normal job, you know, just to make ends meet and to to give them things that you didn't necessarily have growing up. So becoming a dad, how was that? Were you scared to become a dad? Uh Oh, yeah, I didn't know anything. I'm like freaking out thinking, how, we, how do we do this, you know? And the most amazing thing is, is how we adapt. Hmm to new things like having a kid around and what that looks like and then figuring it out you know you can read as many books as you want but I mean honestly being in the moment is is what worked for me yeah you know it was all that experience and uh and I loved it I was like addicted to fatherhood I was like why man I just love those little people and that's a part of you and it's magical and it's the creation and, and it's, it's like a miracle. Like you look around and you see God's beautiful creation. Yeah. And when you're holding a baby, that creation to me is just so amazing. And you got to play a part in that. Yeah. I, yeah huge part and I, I couldn't get enough of the parts I had to do it over and over right <laughs> four kids deep and I just our house was just a fun place and we tried to just make it uh, a great atmosphere for them and you know four kids is a lot of work heck yeah uh, one kid's a lot of work uh, four is kind of like well you know we've already got two three four so who cares now right <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I mean we made it work um but then again, you know, there was a sacrifice and something broke the marriage, right? And I remember that was another huge pinnacle in my life was now I'm divorced. So what led what led to the divorce if we could talk about that for a second? If if I mean, I don't know. Sure. And I and I'll be transparent too because, you know, uh, I think it's important. I think that uh, my ex-wife got a new career. Um, she still had a lot of that personality that she kind of buried 
from our earlier on mm-hmm. relationship, that party mode and the low self-esteem. Because she just she just accepted being a mom too. Yeah. And wanted to be a good mom, you know, yeah. when she f- f- kind of decided with you. Mm-hmm. And so you do, you lose a little bit of that. This is what my early 20s is supposed to be, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So I think that she felt like she, she was missing out on the world. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, she had all the world right there looking at her, you know, and it's just like, you know, and she got into being a police officer and oh wow, yeah. And I supported her through the whole Academy and it was just, it's a male dominant uh, field. So then you got to be as a woman, like even super on your game. Well, yeah. And then she's getting all this attention from all these, Mm. you know, in shape, younger men, you know, and then some of them didn't have families yet because, you know, they're just new careers, you know. And so I think that she just kind of drifted that way. Um, just uh, saw her life going a different way. Maybe blame me for kind of bunkering down with four kids with her. I, I'm not sure. She's the only one that could really answer. Yeah. Um, but it, I started noticing the drift between us. It got really bad. Um, a lot of lies in, in the relationship, you know, saying that she was held over and, you know, at work. And then she wasn't, she was out with her friends. Um, just a lot of lies. And then not only that, but then, you know, another, uh, guy tried to weasel his way in, in a difficult time in our, in our relationship, you know, and it's just like, you saw opportunity, you know, that there was strife in our family Mm. and I just... I don't know how anybody can do that. Yeah, dude, shame on dudes like that. Yeah, bro. shame. And, like- uh, and and it was hard. And so the biggest thing was is here I am, a father of four kids, a husband. And now, again, I find myself homeless. Because, you know, she's a police officer. Things are going on. We're arguing. We're having financial difficulties. There's another man in the picture I mean, my house was not a happy house. I had PG&E showing up to shut me off uh, one day. And, and, you know, I answered the door and the PG&E guy is there. And all my kids are lined up behind me like ducks. And the guy just looked at me and kind of glossy eyes. And he's like, um, can I talk to you for a second? I'm like, sure. So I tell my kids to get behind me and go back in. I shut the door. I go, what's up, bro? And he goes, hey, man, I'm here to shut your power off, dude. Man. And I just, <laughs> I like teared up. I was like, Oh, you can't do this. I got to provide for my kids. Um, is there anything you can do? I go, I'm struggling right now. I'm not going to lie. You know, my marriage is almost over financial difficulties. Um, so he was a really cool dude. And he said, dude, I'll buy you a week, but that's it. And I said, don't worry, I'll get my stuff taken care of. And, um, just a, a shout out to that guy, that PG&E worker. Yeah, huh. um, so, you know, there was some domestic violence in the home. Not really domestic violence, but she was a police officer. So if I raised my voice, I mean, the cops were coming to our house like clockwork. She knew all the police officers. So you can imagine it was a bad situation for me. Um, you know, and I was made to feel like I was just dirt. And, you know, she would be laughing with the cops and, you know, and I'm here filling out paperwork saying that I can't, I can't be in my home, you know, because I kicked a cabinet drawer because I'm pissed off yeah. 
you know, that she's still blowing money when we're can't even pay our PG&E. I couldn't couldn't talk to her rationally. So, yeah, I got angry and I kicked my cabinet. Yep. And so I was homeless, living in my car, wasn't able to see my kids. Um, she got another restraining order placed upon me saying that I said I was going to take the kids. And so... Uh, they said I couldn't be within a hundred yards of my kids. Oh my and, gosh! And this and your was kids terrible. are your whole life, man. Yeah, that's all I knew. I lived and breathed my kids. I I wake up to them. I go to bed with them. You know, it's just like this is it. And I was coaching football. I was coaching my kids' football team when they slapped this restraining order on me, and I was just I broke down like a baby. I just I was so emotional and just I've been through the system. I see how the system's broken. The system's never really worked for me. And here I am back in the system controlling my life again and taking things away from me. You know, why? Because I'm the male figure? And does that make me the bad person? Or can women actually be the person that is causing the problems, yeah, you know, and the aggression in the relationship. And so I had to call the head coach. I was like, look, I can't go to the kid's first game. Ah, bro. So, and I was heartbroken. Yeah. And so thank goodness the coaches, like, they were texting me all day saying, man, your kid just did this. Because they you know? knew you. Yeah. They knew who and they you res- were. They respected the father that I was. Mm. And... You know, it was hard, dude. It was really difficult. And all I could do is during that that time period, I mean, because I was like at the bottom of the barrel. And that's when, honestly, prayer. I was so broken, so at the bottom of the barrel. I would pray so much, broken, open, teared, crying, reaching out to God, asking him why. Why have I been dealt this? Mm-hmm. I tried to do the right thing. And I just didn't understand it. And at that time, you know, when you don't understand it, it's, it wasn't until years later that I figured it all out. And I was like, man, life is not supposed to be perfect. Hmm. It's going to throw bumps, curves. And God tests us. He tests who we are. He wants us to be successful. And he's only going to give us what we can handle. He says it. So... God answers in his own time and his own way. So how long was that fight to be back in your kids' lives? It, uh, a lot of court money for lawyers. Um, it was, it took me about a month to, to actually be able to have that relationship back with my kids, but and then was, it was limited. It was still it? wasn't the same. Mm. So, I mean, during the time that I didn't have my kids, I was humping it, trying to recover my finances, to get back on my feet, to get into an apartment. And, you know, when you're financially having marks on your record, when they run your credit report for apartments, you're going to get declined. I was getting declined and every application was 20 bucks, 20 bucks, 20 bucks. So I'm already broke trying to get into a place and getting denied every time. And I just remember I, the last place was a new build in Napa and I put it in. I told the lady, look, you're going to just deny this because of my finances and stuff. And she goes, well, we still have to run the credit report, Ryan. I'm like, okay. She calls me up. She goes, you've been declined. And I sat across from her and I cried. And I said, it's Christmas. It's, it's getting close to Christmas. And all I want to do is put a roof, roof over my kids' heads and have Christmas with them. 
And she's just like, oh, my gosh. Like, she goes, let me talk to management, see what we can do. And a week later, she called me and threw keys at me. And she says, I told your story, and they want to help. And Dude. I was just like, what? <laughs> they gave me, like, the best apartment, never oh, lived in, man. plenty of room for me and the kids. Yeah, I had a Christmas tree that was given to me, and I leaned it up against the wall. That's all I could do. We were sleeping in sleeping bags on the floor. I didn't have furniture yet. But, you know, as a father, I'm like – I'm hurt and broken because, you know, my kids got to go through this struggle. But you know what? It didn't break us. It made us stronger. You figure it out and you survive. And you and I still had that bond with my kids, mm. you know. And and then now look, it's like when I say God answers prayers in his own time, in his own way. My biggest prayer was to find me a wife that would be good to my kids, mm-hmm. right? Good to me, but good to my kids. Dude, that's beautiful. That like that's the first thing you say. You want mm-hmm. you want your partner, your spouse, you know, partner in life. Yes, to be good to your kids. You're thinking about them. Yeah, yep. That's fatherhood, man. It is, and it's like they were sacrifice and service. Yeah. So I mean, I didn't date a, for a year after my divorce. I I was refocusing on who I was as a person again, trying to figure that all out. Right. Um, and then rebuilding my life for my kids. Right. I could have, I could have easily said, screw all this, walked away, been negative about it and just, you know, push my kids away, you know, so they didn't have to see me struggle, but I let them be a part of that struggle. Cause this is life. It's life. Yeah. Life is messy. And I think that's huge for your kids to be able to see like, and that's for that's my friend shared the word re, uh, rebel mm-hmm. is to get up and fight again. Yes, and again. That's right. And again. And even though you found yourself in this like deja vu, oh my gosh, I'm back in this same system. People telling me what I can and can't do, mm-hmm. and instead of turning to negativity and mm-hmm. whatever comes along with that, you're like, here we go again, and I'm gonna fight for this. Mm-hmm. You know, and and. Your kids are probably going to remember that Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a, our dad did this when we hit a hard time. Okay, it's our responsibility. Let's take take care of this. Yep. Yeah, and you know, then I met Lauren, and it's just like I never thought I was going to have more kids because I got a vasectomy <laughs> after the fourth <laughs> one, right? And uh, and I met Lauren. I just remember just thinking. What an amazing woman. Oh, my gosh. The way she carried herself across the room with such poise and just her self-esteem, right? I've already been with somebody that had low self-esteem. I'm seeing what self-esteem looks like on a woman, and it's Mm. sexy. And I just remember seeing her um, as a student teacher. Again, I work in the school district. I, I kind of had a feeling that it would be a teacher because they're good with kids or just somebody in the church that I would meet or mm. something. And then when Lauren, I met her, I was just like, whoa, I know I'm supposed to be working right now, but man, you know, <laughs> I'm like checking her out and it's just like, whew. And uh, I remember just having a brief conversation with her and I was just like, man. So 
I was very interested, and so I started inquiring some questions about Lauren and uh, through another teacher that worked there. And then she ended up passing on the word to Lauren, hey, this guy's interested in you. Oh, yeah, really? You know, and so she started asking questions and stuff. And, you know, well, how old is he? Does he have kids? She's like, well, I think he's like 36 or something like that. Incorrect. I was almost 40 years old, <laughs> um, which was my wife's cut off Lauren. She's like, 40 is too, too old, not doing it. Um, she said she wouldn't be in a relationship with another guy and kids. And here I have four kids. Uh, she was told like I had two or three maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and then she, and she'll tell you, she remembers having a conversation with me. And I was like, well, look, I'll call you Sunday night after eight o'clock. And she just remembers like, what the heck goes on at eight o'clock on Sunday night? not realizing that I was putting my kids first. That was my time with my kids and my relationships that I was having took a back seat, you know? And when my kids weren't around, then I can do those relationships, Mm -hmm. um, which she really respected. And I respected her for understanding that and allowing me to do that. Um, You know, she just came in just amazing just taking on my four kids as if they were her own and how old were your kids at the time Oof, man ah i had like i mean so 10 years ago right yeah like i mean elementary school junior high and high school we had it all going on um teenage years you know and for any stepmom that could be difficult it's difficult for a stepmom to come into that um and she she did well she had bet the kids best interest at heart. Um, and she loves the kids and, uh, she's just an amazing person. And it's just like, man, early on, we knew that this, this relationship, let, let's do this because we were, we are in love with each other and we wanted a life together. So how'd you navigate that having kids? I mean, you already said, you know, you put your kids first mm-hmm. and then were your kids like at a 50, 50 at this time. So your kids were half with you, half with their mom. Yep. Correct. Okay. So you were, you had this off time that you could kind of uh, not take away from the kids mm-hmm. and invest in your relationship sure. to see is this person, somebody mm-hmm. I want to do life with. Yep. Um, is there any other like practical things during that time um, that were helpful other than kind of the things we talked about as far as I've got little kids. Well, not just little kids. I've mm-hmm. got every age group here and I'm bringing another woman, a woman in, you know, were there, is there anything practical that you'd suggest to anybody else who might be going through that as they're trying to think of themselves, but also think of their kids. Cause like they, they need, you know, not just you, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, it's always, in my opinion, it's important if you're going through that and you're trying to bring in another relationship into uh, kids from another marriage, that you make it obvious and apparent that the kids are first and foremost, mm. um, that they matter. And you don't like push your kids off to have that time with that relationship. Yeah. Um to where they notice it. So if you can do it on off days, you know, I, that's what I suggest um, until you really understand that that relationship's going somewhere. Cause you don't want to be bringing different relationships in and out in your kids' lives. Right. Um, though I think it's important for them to understand too, that, Hey, this is dating. And the only way I'm going to know if these people are good for me and for you is to actually bring them around too, you know? So at some point you need to make the introductions, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, which is very important. And, um, and I think 
uh, like Lowe met the kids the first time at church. Hmm. Uh, wanted it in an environment that, you know, uh, we enjoyed and kind of a safe place. And that's smart. Yeah. And it was really nice, you know. Um, and then again, you know, you, you just got to find your time to keep it kind of separated for a little bit. That's it. And then, you know, when you know it's going to work, then, you you know, to have a conversation with your kids. How'd that conversation with your kids go? Fine. You know, they wanted me to be happy. And yeah. if Lo made me happy. Do you think your kids saw that you had fought and sacrificed for them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they knew. They saw, they knew that I wasn't even dating for a very long time. Um, and then when I had them, I was involved with them. You know what I mean? I wasn't like doing other things, you know, getting drunk or trying to heal in other ways, you know, that were negative to me. Mm. I mean, when my kids were with me on the days that I had them, we were engaged, we were hanging out, we were doing family things. And you know what? At that point, it doesn't take a whole lot of money to just give your time. Dude, that's a huge, huge nugget. It doesn't take money, man. You walk outside. That's right. You can be an intentional engaged dad on minimum wage yes or uh you know inherited millions that's right you know it's just you just it's the time yeah time that's is all key. they want that's right they just want to know that they're important that you want to you want to spend time with them and there's so many wonderful things to just see on a hike with your kids it doesn't cost much pack a lunch yeah you're out exploring the whole day and just seeing things through their eyes and then having conversations it's good man um want to touch on a couple more things and then we'll wrap it up. But, um, how, how was it, you know, you said you didn't want to have kids and then you meet Lauren and, and she's great to your kids and she comes into the relationship saying that she probably wants to have kids. Now you're going to go get that vasectomy reversed. (laughs) Uh, how was that? I mean, one just for you. So let's, let's just pick out a couple relationships for you. How was that? For me, not the vasectomy, but the 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 going. Okay, I'm gonna do this again. Well, you know, it was actually a very easy decision for me Mm. because Lauren was a great person, um, a good stepmom, and I didn't want to deprive her from being a mom. Mm. You know, she deserves that privilege. and to to experience that in her life, yeah. And I, I was happy to get back on the chopping block, so to speak, and <laughs> put the plumbing back together. And you know, <laughs> and it's just like, and then twins. It's like, whoa, <laughs> wow, this Backfire. is different. Yeah, it's like different having one, two, three, four, but having two at once. So four to six. So you had two at once, and then I know we kind of made, not jokes about it last night, but as we're talking, so it's like you, how did you navigate, you did this before, yeah, and kind of letting it be new and fresh in her first time. Do you know what I mean? Like, you had the experience of four little ones, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, you remember your first kid where you're like, are they breathing? Yeah. Are they alive? <laughs> are they going to die? By your fourth kid, you're like, leave them on the grass, come back in 10 minutes. It'll be good. It'll yeah. be all right. Yeah. You know? So to let her, you know, as to be supportive, how did you kind of back in, back off? It's difficult. It's difficult for a person that has experiences compared to somebody else. Um 
sometimes, you know, there's arguments because, uh, you know, I have these experiences and I know to kind of let go of certain things and not to, to dwell on them and be too protective. But then it's I also, hard to tell a brand new mom. Yes, it's yeah. extremely hard. And so just trying to work with her and try to understand her being the new mom and respect that and just, you know, okay, okay. So did you just learn to back off a little bit? I, I had to, yes. And let her experience it. Yes, let her experience it. And that's basically what she said is like, hey, I'm a new mom. I'm experiencing this. This is new. You know, I understand you have older kids, but this is new for me. So she would keep me in perspective. She helped keep you in check. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) So that's good. I mean, good to think about as you're, you know, because other people are going to go through this stuff. Yeah. You know, to be able to think and be aware of of that. And especially as dudes, we're already the ones with the answer, which they don't want. (laughs) Right. So it's like, I'm still learning that. Like, just back off and chill okay so man so good and then how was it how did you navigate that with your own not your own with your four older kids to say all right kids this is now going to be the next thing was that kind of a conversation you had with them yeah um you know we we let them know that Lo was pregnant um, okay so it was it was after the fact it was it wasn't like we're thinking about this it was like hey She's pregnant. You know, I can't remember if we told them that we wanted to have more kids or if it was after she got pregnant. Okay. It was like, hey, she's pregnant. Um, it's kind of a blur, to be honest. Well, yeah, you had twins, so you kind of lost some of your brain. <laughs> yeah. But how did they take to it? Like, if you think back, how did they take to now there's some new kids here? You know, yeah, I think that they were fine with it. A lot of times I do wonder if they just, they feel left out, Mm. you know, like, oh, dad's got, you know, new kids and we're not important anymore. Um, But it's tough too, because like, they're also what, 17 to 22 now. So they're, they're already going to be at that a little bit of a stage where it's like, they're trying to become adults and think that mom and dad don't have any answers for them. Mm -hmm. So you already have that going against you. Is there anything you would have done differently with introducing them to the kids? Or do you think it's, I I guess I won't give an answer. Well, and there, honestly, there is no real answer. You just, you approach it and you hope for the best and you hope that, um, they're going to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. Um, knowing that they're not the only four, you know, that dad's having more kids. Um, you know, and again, they are older, you know, and they're doing their own thing. Right. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, my daughter, she had a kid. And uh, so my youngest plays with her kid. And it's it's a different type of relationship. But it's it's amazing to me to sit there with my daughter. And we both have young kids that are playing. It's weird, too. Yeah. But Grandpa Ryan. Over yeah, here. Grandpa Ryan, <laughs> you know, but it's awesome. Yeah. And that's just and, and I. You know, as we sit here and talk about it, it's just life is messy, but life is also beautiful. It's almost just like how you take it because you share everything and we share everything as we're sitting here looking over your vineyard. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And bundled up in beanies and jackets because it's cold out a here chilly. and the sun's out and, and, and sometimes people can go either way with like, oh, poor me. And so now, I mean, we could be sitting on the side of a road and you're homeless or we could be sitting on your vineyard Mm -hmm. talking about the same stories. And here you are like, dude, you're a fighter, incredible dude, incredible dad. 
you're serving your four, your four, you're serving your three. <laughs> you love your wife. Like we're, yeah. we're hanging out and I just see how you, you serve and you serve and you serve. And I think it goes both ways too. Cause you oh, yeah. see Lauren and she is a servant too. And I think, man, that's, that's a successful marriage, oh, yeah. you know, is two people who want to serve the other and make them be the best version of themselves. Oh, yeah. They compliment each other. Yeah. And how rad for your kids to see that. And now you have the twins are four. Yep. And Capri is 18 months. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, man, dude, what a blessing. Seven kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, and you know, part of going back to where that, that prayer, right. And mm. not knowing what the future held for me and just all those things, asking for the right woman for a different life, right. To, to rebuild. And I didn't know what that looked like when I was asking for it. And I asked for it a lot, right. Just help me get through this. And when I met low, it was just like, Whoa, God answered my prayer. Yeah. It, he did it in his own way, in his own time. And now look at this. It's just like people that know me and know my, that saw my struggles, you know, from what I had to what I didn't have uh, to what I have now. And they're like, bro, dude, man, you're blessed. Yeah. And so I am truly blessed, but I also part of that rebel uh, um, that we were talking about earlier on in the podcast was like, we're going to rebel against having all this and, and minimize for a bit, right? And restructure to give more to our kids. Mm. So we're not... So when you say give more, it comes back to the time thing. Time. Time is key. And what better way to, to share that than ex- the experiences that we're going to have on the road? We don't have all the answers. We don't know what it's going to look like, um, but we embrace it. Man, and as you say that, I think, okay, as, you, as, as I'm listening and as others are listening... Maybe going on the road for a year isn't your thing, but maybe just step back and stop. I think always thinking next year, next year, next year, like what can you do right now to just be more present, give more time to your family? Because at the end of our life, you know, I'm doing the fatherhood legacy journal. I just mm-hmm. kicked that off and, and, and really trying to be intentional with, you know, I'm constantly saying when I'm 85, I'm never going to look back and say, man, I wish I didn't spend so much time with my kids, (laughs) (laughs) but I'll say, I wish I didn't work out in the yard so much, or I wish Mm -hmm. I just didn't take so many extra shifts or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And so at 85, you're never going to say, man, I spent a little too much time with my kids. That's never said. So then why not right now figure out what works for you to do that now versus, man, as soon as I get that bonus, as soon as I get that raise next year, mm-hmm. as soon as we get into that new house, as soon as we get that bigger car. Yep. And that's our that's like that California dream that's and like, lifestyle yep, is the game. Once we get this, then that. It's yep. like, no, just do it now. That's right. Because you, it's like you said, I said this prayer mm-hmm. and I got it. And now I'm here. And now what I'm wanting to do is I have the, 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 the woman who loves my kids. Mm-hmm. And, and now I'm wanting to cut out some of the other things that might have caught my eye. Like now I have a nicer car. Now mm-hmm. I have a dope house. Now I have this. Now, you know what? What's really important are those things that I was praying for. And they're here. And I want to enjoy those things. That's right. And you have the story that is that kind of tickler in the back of your mind to remind you of what it's like without all that, mm-hmm. what it's like to, to get all that, to lose all that. And now you're back in it. So it's pretty rad perspective to hear you. Cause a lot of us who might not have 
an intense story like that, we, we take it for granted, mm-hmm. you know? And so to be able to hear you talk about it and go, Oh man, I don't want to take it for granted. That's right. I also don't want to let it get to certain points, but I also think it's healthy for us to hear a story. Cause so much of the time, if somebody says, Hey man, I'm thinking of getting divorced, especially in the church, mm-hmm. you're constantly hearing like, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. And I'm not saying I hope that for anybody, sure. neither are you, yeah. but there are, Sometimes there's situations that it is the right thing to do, mm-hmm. and it's tough to say, but we got to say it, yeah, you know, because sometimes because sometimes it is just the right thing, and mm-hmm. so I, I don't wish that on anybody, but you got to be in tune, fight, yep. fight, but be in tune with yourself and your kids, That's right. dude. Ryan, you're a great dude, great human, wonderful dad, super loving husband. Um, I've loved just to sit here and talk about life with you and, and that we get to know each other over the years. It's good. Yep. Any last thoughts or anything before we uh, go on a hike with the kids? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's going to be beautiful. Um, uh, you know, and the other thing is, is you know, it, it kind of is a blessing to have the four kids and experience that life with them, right? And and living the California dream as you're you're doing that life with, you know, my older four but now with my younger three, I'm at a different point of my life, right? And a different age. And that that's why this whole rebel thing is mm. kicking into gear for us is because it's like, well, you know what? I was a slave to the grind doing all this stuff because that's what I thought I needed to be doing is working all these hours, taking all these side jobs. But I was missing out mm. on my kids to do all, to give them and provide for them. And it's like, now it's like, well, you know what? I don't think I needed to do that at all. I think they would have been happy just going to the park, riding skateboards and just spending time with me. So mm. that's, that's why this new chapter in my life with, uh, the younger three kids and Lauren, I just blessed to think about the, what our future is going to be like with this different mindset. Yeah. And if we can glean from that, I know, like we said, you know, you don't always want to listen to the dude or the people before, mm-hmm. right? You want to figure it out on your own. But if you can gain some of the 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 life that you lived, if we can go like, okay, mm-hmm. can I can I take some of that wisdom and apply it to my life? Like, yeah, yeah. okay, let's do it. Oh, dude, so good. I see the kids popping their heads out the door every couple <laughs> minutes. They're like, is it, can we get out of here? So dude, thank you for sitting here, sharing a cup of coffee and just talking about your life. Dude, it was really rich to hear it all. My Appreciate pleasure. it. Appreciate yeah, thank it. Thank you. Well, I think it is safe to say that life is super messy, but also super beautiful. And sometimes they're both intermixed uh, together. And I think that, we just need to pause and sometimes look back. You know, some of our greatest growth comes from our struggles. And when we're in the midst of it, it's really hard to see that. But in hindsight, you're able to see the person that you've become. And Ryan's willingness to share his story with us is just incredible. So rich. And I just, I appreciate it so much because there's so much growth that we gain from hearing life from each other. And then also knowing we don't have to live as a victim. Uh, 
There are so many crutches that we could walk on every single day and it is a choice and that's what rebel is all about is getting back up and continuing to fight for the things that matter most. So I want to say thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's continue to rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in the craft of fatherhood. And as always, if this meant something to you or you might know somebody going through something, share this with them. Share this real-life conversation. Uh, Please write a review, like it, share it. Go on Instagram, Facebook, follow us, and just stay in tune with all things fatherhood and uh, keep doing your thing as a father.